Welcome to the Uniformed Handball Hour. This is Brian Campion speaking to you. After a very long time, I can't remember the last time I was on the podcast. I think it seems like almost a few months now, but I'm joined, of course, by the golden voice of handball, Chris (laughs) O'Reilly. And Denmark's favourite son, Alex Kulish. Hi, boys. Hello, <laughs> Campo. Hi, Brian. So how were your summers? Good to be back. Good to be back. So that obviously means my summer wasn't that good. Uh, if I, if it's good to be back here. But uh... <laughs> The highlight of your summer coming back. Mine was good. Yeah, I just came back to Gothenburg after like almost four weeks away. Saw you, Brian, in Vienna after a wedding. Uh, saw you, Alex. We played some beach handball together in Ireland and uh, I was in Edinburgh at the fringe there went to Turkey on a real holiday haven't done that in a while and uh, <laughs> I think and what, what did you have for dinner every one of those days just to give us a bit of extra detail here <laughs> <laughs> that was great summer really good summer how about yours yeah it was good nice and hot I mean I don't know I, I, uh, the older I get the more I start to think that I actually I don't mind spring and autumn. I'm drifting towards winter, do you know? It happened to my parents as well. They were like, oh, I used to love summer when I was younger, but the older I got, the less I like summer. And I'm kind of starting to understand that a little bit now. Being sweaty all the time, sitting around for no reason, is not that great. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to winter kicking in. And winter kicking in, you know, means handball. So that's also that's also good. You planning a move up north again? No, no, no. no it's it's yeah. pl- plenty cold here, so don't worry. But... Uh, <laughs> For all uh, the listeners out there, if you're wondering why I sound so silky and beautiful, is because I'm just like the most professional on the podcast. I still have all my equipment, whereas the other two guys have kind of lost theirs in different countries. We <laughs> 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 have. Yeah, it, it will be back at some stage. Both of our mics will be back. And it'll be back for just in time for the season. And um, we will have lots of great podcasts to preview the season starting with a nice transfer podcast we'll go into every league we'll go into the champions league we'll go into all the big stuff but for this podcast we're just going to talk about stuff that happened during the summer yes which um i suppose wasn't that much handball that happened there's loads of handball well, since we finished our last podcast and we talked about the African Cup of Nations, we mm. talked about the um, underage championships, you know, it's this gap in the middle where not much happens. The teams are back in action. Um, they're starting their preseason. They're getting going. The excitement is starting to build. But in terms of actual handball, not too much. So we have come up with some topics to talk about. Uh, that have excited us over this period. Um, who's going to start? I'll probably start because it's the best mic. But um, the best thing is whoever <laughs> <laughs> whoever starts also says their two topic first. And I'm kind of worried that one of you might have the same topics as me. So if I get them over with, then you're one talk about one topic at a time. One topic at a time. Yeah, he, uh, I can't go straight into two. Oh god, he's put my topics. I can think of something right now. Um, 
So should we go straight into it or do you want to say anything else? Let's do it. Okay. Actually, there's something I want to say. Just as we have a bit of a labor of love over the last few years. Uh, one of our platforms, uh, Instagram, is on 1,977 followers. So if you're listening to this and you don't follow us on Instagram, please give us a follow on because... I heard anyway, once you're up to 2000, then everyone feels like you need to follow that account. So if you could just give us a follow there, that'd be, that'd be wonderful. Twitter's fine, but somehow we might even start posting on it again. Yeah. 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 We, we post <laughs> graphics, you know, sometimes. We post the graphics for every podcast. Well, look. We post the graphics. We not do. Not bad, you know, so. All right, Campo, okay. What have you got for us? So. Show and tell time. I think probably the biggest name of the summer in men's handball has been. A young man from the Faroe Islands. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we can combine our efforts, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Oli uh, Mitton. I don't know how you pronounce it properly, but I think that would be something along those lines. Oli Mitton, who has been on everyone's lips, Twitter lips, or a beak maybe, if, in that context. <laughs> He's been on everyone's beak over the over the summer months. As he's seem, seemingly now, from what I've been hearing and the clips I've seen, he's going to be the best handball in the world come two, three, four years, maybe. He scored 17 goals versus Sweden uh, in the under-18s Euro. 17 goals versus Sweden, 13 goals versus France, 7 versus Spain and Slovenia. He's something like 11 goal average per game, which is absolutely nuts. And Denmark must be licking their lips because you know the Danish are with snatching up these players, so they must be uh, absolutely loving this. But I, I, I don't nah, know. I nah. this this generation, yeah. no. this generation that's, that's wants point. to beat Denmark. Yeah. They want to beat Denmark, and they might do it. They might do it. That my, based on some of the I results. I have some notes here. My 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 my, uh, my notes are Denmark licking their lips, and then next thing is, but also not. Uh, because <laughs> it, there does seem to be a change from uh, the Faroe Islands. When, we, when you think back to when we played against the Faroe Islands back in 2011, and uh, you remember that game well, boys, I'd say. Getting absolutely hockeyed in the first half, and then you know, there was someone, someone came on then in the second half, and then scored a quick three goals, and all of a sudden there was a bit of a game. I remember in the hall, people were saying, God, it's, all of a sudden it's a bit of a game now. I can't remember who came on, but... It was just someone who lit, who lit it up a bit, but anyway, no. was it was it a young left back? Yeah, it might have been. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And uh, yeah. I think I think you scored six goals in that game, Chris, didn't you? you were you player of the match from our side? Yeah, I was. Chris? I was. I was in the All Star team. Uh, I didn't get player of the match in any of the games, but uh, I did get in the All Star team alongside a certain right winger from the Faroe Islands, who <laughs> ended up being snapped up by Denmark, Johan Hansen. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, Brian, you were talking about your amazing game. Yeah, no, no. I'm moving on from that anyway. But uh, when you think about where they've where they've come to uh, to, to now to, at this point, where they are seemingly or they, they seem to be getting this talent that's coming through, and they can finally start really sticking it to some of the other Scandinavian teams. So I think they really do seem like the, the the forgotten son of the of the Nordic countries, and they can maybe find finally now with. Um, with Ole and of course uh, Skip to go to how do, you say, how do you say that Chris Skip to go to Skipper Skipper yeah Skipper, skipper. let's call him Skipper I, I've coined Skipper yeah. he's going to be Skipper yeah. uh, until he wins player of the year and uh, and, with, and everything you'd, you'd imagine now with Ole and Skipper that they finally have a bit of a backbone <laughs> of a backboard there <laughs> can I just yeah. add another a point here I don't know if either of you caught this and it is around Ole Mitten um 
but it is another Twitter interaction. We're you know we're going straight into the nerdiest of nerdy mm. topics, so let's go straight into Twitter as well. And that was um, Berta Servas, our good good friend yeah, of the podcast, traveling to the Faroe Islands. <laughs> yeah. you, did, you did see I that. Did see that. That's my next point. I was just like, good. that guy has absolutely no chill. He just sees someone <laughs> scoring a certain amount of goals, and he's on a plane to see you. <laughs> no, but I really th- the thing is, in reply, um, Emil Berggren, the sporting director of Sevehof, who have an apparent connection with the Faroe Islands now, replied being like, you don't have enough money. <laughs> and I am almost 100% sure that Berta Servas was there on a regular holiday, but he just wanted to mess with people to say, and actually the, that Twitter interaction between Berta Servas and Emil Bergeron got pretty heated because Emil was just like, uh, Berta's like, oh, I, I, what, what are you talking about? And Emil was like, oh, there's only one player you could be looking after, but you can't afford him. <laughs> but my friend, I already now know you signed him and I gave you my sincere gra- granulation for this. <laughs> a very good decision. It is for him also a very good choice to join you. He has to develop step by step. <laughs> Thank you from Emil Bergeron. I just love it. And I'm, I'm just certain that Bertus is there to, you know, just hang out, eat a bit of shark and... Uh, See a few cliffs. It's very, very good timing, though, isn't it? I mean, just ran yeah. a random holiday in the Faroe Islands directly reckon, after the Euro. Yeah, I reckon it's um, he's realised that he's missed out on both Elias Ellison and Skipigatu and Oli Mitten, and now he's looking for the next one. Yeah. He's like, all right, I got to get in there before Emil Berggren does. And um, yeah, I was just going to say that they're both in the Sevehoff team this season, which is great for Faroe Islands as well, for the national team, because they're both going to be playing together every single day, just like they did throughout their childhood. Uh, they're cousins, by the way. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yes. Aren't they all? They're all cousins, yes. <laughs> 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 because I, I interviewed uh, Oli's uh, older sister, who's also a Faroese national team player, and they have another brother who's also a handball player, and they're all cousins with uh, the skipper. So, yeah. It's, um, I mean, both under 18 team, under 18 and under 20 teams finishing in the top 10 of the Euro. And that's uh, it's actually it's nuts. remarkable. Uh, uh, Faroe Islands are tiny. It's a tiny, tiny nation. And it just shows what a good structure um, can do. And just getting these kids to live on a handball court, play with both hands, play with their heads. Good structure, and also yes. it's it's actually then the, the number one sport as well. So it'd be like a what is it? Fifty thousand people live in the Faroe Islands, so like a, a normal sized town in Ireland. But it's like maybe something like Gaelic football. Everyone's just playing Gaelic football, and that's their that's their thing. That's probably the only equivalent I can think of. But it is still absolutely incredible. The European League starts this weekend, the first round, and uh, Sevehoff are playing in it. So I hope to be able to go and watch them play against the Romanian team, Potaisa Turda, and hopefully see both Faroese boys in action. After a long summer for the boys, because didn't Oli Mitten play the... He played both, yeah. ...the 20s and the under-18s championship, then going into a full season of senior handball. Yeah, I'm, pre- uh, I'm pretty sure they'll look after special. him. They'll nice. probably look after him well. As a young lad as well. 
can take it. But uh, <laughs> but six, 80 goals in the under-18 championship from Ole Mitten. The next best was 61. It's, uh, Not even close. Ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah, so uh, good times for Faroe Islands. And uh, it's about time as well because we've been banging on that drum for a while. So next stop, uh, qualifying for Euro 2024. But if you're, if you're going to make one prediction of where he ends up at his next club, so after Save a Hoof, where do you think it would suit him or what, what would your prediction be? So people can clip it up afterwards. And, uh... <laughs> well, Kiel. Kiel? I'm, I'm saying goes to Kiel. Although I did also read an um, interesting interview with Nikola Karabatic that was uh, reposted on Handball Planet in English uh, and originally posted on a German magazine that I can't remember. Um, who just said, "Don't go to the Bundesliga. It is. It will destroy you." He talked about his time there and how he basically was on the over the line of risk of injury the whole time. Yeah, he played in the Bundesliga. They won the champ. He said they won the Champions League with eight players somehow. Um, it was just it's this incredible intensity that's just not good for you but at the same time he's still playing at the age of 38 and uh, you know it hasn't done him too badly so maybe it's it's a way of building your body to uh, withstand even the most intense pressures and that's something that Oli will do in the future and lead Kiel my gut feeling was Flensburg that's my was oh yeah yeah we think that uh... You think a club would try and sign both of them, Elias and Oli, or are you already giving up on Elias? <laughs> Is he like yesterday's news? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Elias. <laughs> <laughs> the new hawker. He was bar. pretty remarkable as well. <laughs> oh. I mean, signing both of them would be absolutely incredible, really, wouldn't it? But I, for some reason, I think they're going to probably go to somewhere in North Germany. I don't know why. I just think like when you come from. The Faroe Islands going to Sweden, and then your next step will be go to something that's not. I can't. Like they're not going to go to Barcelona or anything like that. So, and I can't see them going anywhere Eastern Europe or anything along those lines. So I'd imagine it would be Bundesliga. I think Flensburg would suit them as well. I think French handball would suit their style. Both of them going to Nantes. <laughs> there you go. Like the. There you go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and that, that, that concludes the uninformed Faroe Islands hour. And, uh, <laughs> now to the right. Uh, on to the right. You Chris, your... you want to give us a topic? Oh. oh. Go on. Yeah, I'll give um, you Okay. I'll, I'll go with my topic. And that is uh, the naming rights of the EHF Champions League. Careful now. I just, I just wanted to, I just want to talk about the the stereotype that I think, uh, you know, marketing companies or any company that wants to sponsor handball, they have some sort of stereotype of a handball fan because the two new sponsors for the EHF Champions League. So there's one for the Champions League itself. The full competition is Machine Seeker, a marketplace for second-hand machinery and then the ehf final four is going to be sponsored by truck scout 24 um you can scout some trucks 24 7 i i believe is is what their tagline then you add that on to liquid 
Molly, who sponsor both the Bundesliga and uh, the French League these days, an oil supply company. So really, everyone just wants to sell sell big machinery run by nice oil to handball fans. Is that what we want to buy? Is that what handball fans want to buy? Big machinery. Well, speaking as an EHF Champions League commentator, there's nowhere I'd rather go to scout machinery <laughs> or indeed what's the other thing trucks seek trucks <laughs> no you, you mixed it up it's at three o'clock in the seeker. morning then truck scout 24 come on alex if you've never come in from a night out on the town and you're like what'll i do now before i go to bed you know what i might rent a truck i might buy a secondhand truck like you know you go straight on to truck scout 24 and then they'll sort you out that night before four o'clock in the morning so yeah, I don't know what you're laughing at. It's fair. I, d- I do like coming home after a night I was on, just pouring myself a big glass of oil as well. Just liquid molly, mm. nice greasy glass just to, to finish off my evening. It goes well just, with a whiskey. But doesn't it suit the handball, those that were sponsored by big oil companies and trucks and all that stuff? We're big machines and we're looking for machines. Men. And, and we're, you know, <laughs> men get in there, you know, real... Greasy, greasy, oh, there was a bit of a there was a bit of a Graham Sooness there. Yeah. To be fair, they are sponsors for the men's side of the mm. Champions League. Yes. So <laughs> I all I'm gonna say is I hope I don't have to say it every single time. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck, Chris. That that was my brief topic. After uh, you know, we, we spent a lot of time on Faroe Islands, so let's we can. My other topic, I did have Oli Mitton and Faroe Islands in there. Another one I had was uh, the women's under nineteen World Championship and the no resin ball. Oh gosh! <laughs> I know, Alex. You. You the ball of cash. You, you, the ball of cash that Mustafa yeah, has supplied. You thought yeah. the uh, Faroe Island segment was long. Here we go now. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just like Alex. You tweeted on our account with uh, you know a great example of it: the ball slipping out of a player's hands when trying to take a penalty. I mean, I'll be honest. It, 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 I didn't watch too much of this championship, mostly because I kind of out of protest against this whole thing. But what I did, I saw a lot of highlights on, on social media and stuff, and it it just looked so, it looked like the players were so uncomfortable and they were playing a different type of sport. Like the way they were throwing the ball, um, highlights were like, were like fawning over all these great saves, but nah, they were just really bad shots because the players couldn't really, couldn't always know exactly how the ball was going to be shot or how much uh, control they had. And, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm scared. Like, if that's <laughs> is this the beginning of the end in that sense? Like, maybe teenagers can get away with it, but you know, even at eighteen, nineteen, as we all know, the hands get pretty sweaty, and then that's that is the beginning of the end. Then, speaking as a man who has grown up his whole life with extremely sweaty hands, I, I can't think of anything worse than a, a ball like that, and I. Uh, I've tried that ball, um, mm. or or maybe a previous version of that ball. A teammate have uh, mine has had it, and again, it, it works at the very start. But when there's just a bit of moisture and a bit of sweat in the air in the in the game, it just it, it just doesn't really work. Um, 
and I think yeah, again, it's it's it changes the game completely. Imagine wingers trying to take shots; it just limits absolutely everything that you can do there. For me, the the most mind-boggling thing of the whole uh, that whole non non resin ball thing is the fact that it went, it got as far as a tournament like that, mm. where. Like you could just put it's the, still going. No, well, put put it in a tra- put it in a training session. You're like, oh, clear doesn't work, because after 20 minutes of training, you're like, oh, this doesn't work at all. You didn't need to. I mean, to get onto a stage like that already, where you're at a final tournament of yeah, an under ridge category, but still that I got that far just says a lot about the motivations maybe behind the whole project mm-hmm. in the first place. That it's not really about finding the correct technology, because I don't think you're going to test something like that. That's you, that you would find out after 20 minutes of a training session you know what i mean so i just i just think it's, it's yeah I, I i do think you know it's not as bad as you know the that highlight uh, that we mm. posted where someone just dropped the ball it's it's still it is still humble you know it, it the game is humble it, it may be not it, it takes away some aspects but i don't think it's you know it, it makes it horrific for people to play. No, but I think if you, t- um, if you talk to some of the players who are playing, they're like, oh, I didn't feel comfortable with that ball at all. I'd imagine anyway, they're like, oh, I just didn't feel, it wasn't sitting right with me. I'm sure they would just say immediately, and you could have found that after out after a training session, be like, what would you, what would you as a player choose now? Is there, would you choose that the non-resin ball or a ball with resin? I think almost 100% of them would say, of course I take the resin ball. And I don't see the whole, I mean, the resin aspect of handball is one of the most unique things that we have in terms of marketing the sport, I think it's only mm. rugby who is the only other sport that uses a little bit of resin on the ball. And, uh, and it's such, uh, it's such pole a, vault or pole vault. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's such a it's such a unique aspect of handball, and people or handball fans love the whole culture around resin. Mm. And it's such a thing they're missing out, and they're trying to get rid of it. I don't think so. I think that's it's something that handball players wouldn't put up with. Going back to what you said, Chris, earlier, like that it is to start. Or the beginning of the end of resin, I think people would just revolt. There'd be yeah. riots in the streets. The, the The only thing I would say is that it is a focus on um, emerging markets mm. in Hamburg. Uh, you know, even us playing in Ireland, I think there is no longer a court in Ireland that allows resin because it this well they just don't clean the halls. And they don't want to do that, uh, but it does. You know, it it makes um, the life of uh, a hall owner. If you're not used to it, if it's not designed for handball, like a lot of the countries which love resin, um, even in <clears throat> like lower leagues in Germany, they don't play with resin. And if you're thinking about you know South America or Africa or um, Asia, countries where it's not the norm. Uh, kind of not having resin and having an alternative is something good. Yeah. It's positive. At the same time, you need to have a balance there. You, you can't just force everyone to play with this ball because uh, there's it, it's it's going to be inferior than the uh, the game we're played yeah. that is played in the um, nations that are standing today and know how to play and take care of resin. Yeah, yeah. It's training wheels, basically. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But not right. for an underage final tournament, though. No, you know, no, that, yeah. I think that's that's that is taking it a bit too much. I mean, obviously these teams had a lot of time to practice with it, but it must have been such a pain in the arse to like adapt to it because 
think about all these players. They're, they're going to go back to playing with a normal ball now in senior women's handball around mm. the world. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe If anything, it might have just stunted their development a little bit. Mm. Yeah, not a fan. Not a fan. Plus, if you win a championship like that, with the, it'll always be a bit of an asterisk beside it. Are you one with the googly ball? You know, I don't Congratulations know. Congratulations to South Korea, by the way, on winning the championship. To be fair, <laughs> South Korea dominated that championship. Yeah. They really dominated. <laughs> they were fantastic. <laughs> yeah, maybe they they cracked the code, but um, yeah, overall, not not just just have a look and, and decide for yourself. I mean, it just everything felt a bit more awkward and slow at every moment. So, Campo, so, it's back to you. Back to me. Well, on the on the twenty third of July, uh, the handball community, especially the nerdy handball community, was uh, was greeted with a, a very sad tweet from our for a friend of a podcast, Rasmus Boyson, when he talked about that mm. he would more more than likely have to give up uh, playing professional handball. And I think the the outpouring that he received was, I think, was uh, well, first of all, justified, but just shows you the community that he has built up, basically, well, not basically, completely on his own. I mean, he is the closest thing handball has to uh, Fabrizio Romano in football, and uh, he's our own Rasmus Boyce. And, and it, I think for him personally, obviously, I mean, we we he's. He was he was our first guest on the podcast way back in 2017, and he's been on it numerous times. He's always been very supportive of us. So it was I think it was it was rough to hear that he's going through that because he is Mister Handball and his whole life revolves around handball. So I can't believe what it must be like for him to give up the sport he loves before his time. Um, and yeah, I think uh, I think it's fair to say from all of us that uh, we're always here to support him whatever he goes through and it's uh it's it was rough news for everyone but he does have a new role um in his childhood club scaring uh, as a marketing um in their marketing team and sales team um and there is a clause there that if he does recover from the concussion uh he will come he'll, he is able to come back to the court as a player so uh fingers crossed that um things get better on that side as well it's it's concussion right that that he's been struggling with long term uh, after an in-game incident last season. And, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully he will be able to come back at some point and, uh, and play. I mean, it would be really, it'd be really sad if he never got to, to play again. And uh, something tells me he'll be back in some form or another. But in the meantime, it's really good that he uh, has landed on his feet with a job like that as well, with Skirn, which is a great club. And uh, new beginning for him. And uh, I, I just imagine him playing the same level in Denmark when he's able to come back as Alex. And I just want to see that happen. Alex playing in the line and attack with Raz's voice in the center of defense, beating the shit out of him. <laughs> That'd be a good time. <laughs> or maybe now, like when he recovers, we can get him to, uh, to play some beach handball with us and convince him that it's a great that could, sport. That could be all. a good one. Yeah. yeah, it could be a good one. Alex, do you want to take up the next one again? I have two two small points. Uh, one is, so we talked about the Faroe Islands with their small population and how they're at such a high level. But if you talk about a nation and the amount of people playing in that country, 
Spain are outperforming everything by such a wide margin. They got to the final of the European Championship senior. They won uh, both the under-20s and the under-18s European Championships. And you mentioned that, you know, in Fairlands, it's the main sport. Really, Spain is still grappling to get attention on handball again after its glory days many years ago but they just have their amazing system that just churns out these amazing players that all play the spanish way and they churn out amazing teams that just win and it's not like it's not a superstars there's no real like absolutely amazing standouts that I can mention right now from all of those championships. Um, it's just their system, their coaches, their amazing style of handball, their amazing defense, and they just keep doing it. And they're just going to keep doing it for a very, very long time. And I'm just happy to see that. So that was my little praise of Spain, if we haven't done it enough already. <laughs> mm, do you think at a, at a certain point it'll reflect on the club scene, again, I mean, the club scene is, is a different beast altogether because it relies on uh, financial power to, to get these teams kind of competing in Europe again and challenging besides Barca. Um, but these players are obviously going into uh, the Spanish club system for a while. Some of them then move on. Spanish players are very good at, at moving to other countries Um and and flourishing but do you think at some point these some of these teams will be able to to form something from these players coming through and uh make them a, a force to be reckoned with in europe mm. i i think they have to stem the flow of tide towards france because i mm. think all of these young um good players that maybe not are not at the highest level uh, where they end up in barca or the, the top clubs um but are still incredibly good players are right now just propping up the French league in, in many ways. There's a lot of talented players um, going to France. And then the, the Spanish league itself is just really, it's really localized. So it is, you know, the players that play in the clubs are from the region. You know, so, something like Bidasso Irun is a club just from the Basque region. Um and they're all playing there the same in, in clubs around the country. And there hasn't been, <clears throat> yeah, the, they haven't been able to gather a few of these talents together in another team to really make a um, a splash, where I think that is possible without, you know, too much monetary uh, value needed to g- gather a few of these young stars. So, yeah. Don't know. I don't think. Don't think anytime soon. There still needs to be a bit more, um, bit more money in it, and a bit more kind of forward thinking. A, a big problem in Spain generally is obviously. I mean, it's not. There's nothing new, but the, the the gap between football and everything else is just so insanely big. And I feel like handball in Spain took such a massive hit when Atletico Madrid kind of stopped their their handball project. It kind of seemed like that was almost like a a nail in the coffin for the Asobal completely because it was just Barcelona left and then for options for players either going to Barcelona or then the gap then after that then was so big a lot of players then kind of I think went well I'm not going to spend my career uh, being a martyr for the Spanish league or for the Asobal mm. so I think it would need almost I feel like this, 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 the Spanish league definitely needs another 
giant in there to make it a bit more attractive for players to move there. But for the moment, it's just it's either Barca or not, it really feels like. Or you go to Arun as a retirement package. But it doesn't really feel like <laughs> there's much else there in terms of options. Which is a shame. A couple more uh, points on the international club scene I've got. First of all, we have a Mexican team in the Super Globe for the first time in October. Oh, yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. The, it's Club Ministros who won the uh, North and Central American Championship, much to the dismay of San Francisco Cal Heat, who I think they beat in the semi final. Uh, there was seemingly a bit of controversy there. And uh, at least according to the Cal Heat side, they were not happy with the, the refereeing and with a uh, supposed legal player on the Ministros team, uh, who then magically disappeared for the final. <laughs> however, what? Yeah, however, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't read too much into this when you consider like players in this and the Superglobe in general. It's kind of just like bring whoever you want to these things right yeah i mean yeah there's no there's no real restrictions yeah, the, there. Like, you don't need to play uh, uh, a full season for the club to go to the super bowl yeah, exactly so i wouldn't uh, <laughs> wouldn't worry too much about that i think it was mexico's time to send a team after having two american teams in there good luck to them there's 12 teams in it this time for the first time it's expanded yeah somehow the super globe just keeps on going <laughs> <laughs> that's next month or in october even <laughs> but uh, i i do i do want to give it up to mexico because there seems to be something happening with handball in mexico from a real grassroots level um <clears throat> it's really great to see you know this is a huge achievement the ministros qualifying uh for a, a championship with all local players players who just you know picked up handball playing in mexico grew up there and are now competing at a really high level. The Mexico national team also had a really impressive um, championship, uh, sorry, qualifiers for the world championship where they actually beat Cuba. Again, just, I think it's a huge rise from where Mexico were a couple of years ago. And it, it just seems like something is happening there. I think it's in terms of actually watching the teams, I don't think it, it was technically the, the highest level or physically the most impressive specimens, mm -hmm. but they just got it done. I don't know how they did it, but they still just uh, got it done. So you have to give it up to Mexico for you know building up handball from grassroots. And hopefully in, in many years, we'll see something uh, going on there as well. Yes. The only other thing I have is... I mentioned it before, the European League starts this weekend. Uh, who's going to win it, Brian? With the European League this year? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus, put me on the spot here. Okay, no. So, so uh, okay, of, of all the teams in qualification round one, right, there's two rounds to qualify for the group stage. Which of these teams do you think is most likely to win it? Well, because you had right. uh, Benfica last year. This, they came from qualification round one. And then we also had... Nexe also came for qualification round one. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, so have you got the have you got the qualifiers think, in front I, of you? I think so. Or should I uh, run, run, run through, through them anywhere for their our lovely guests at home? I, I, I don't need to, yeah. need to run through every single team that's <laughs> oh, playing in the first round of qualifiers in the European not, League. There's not so many. Uh, we, <laughs> I'll go through some. Okay, I'll give you some a short list. Um, so there's an all Norwegian clash, Kolstad against Drammen. It's a big test for the new Kolstad boys. 
Altmahard are playing against uh, Eurofarm Pellister's second team. <laughs> yeah, do that. It seems to be a women's match in here. Bayamare against FTC. <laughs> the men's teams of both of these clubs that are more famous for the women's team. Um, Mata Lekai, who's now gone to FTC. Um, yeah. Right. That was a big exactly. move. So uh, maybe FTC are making yeah. a bit of a move on the men's side as well. Yeah. Um, oh, here's the one for you. Lemgo against La Rioja. That's a good, that's a good first round uh, game. Uh, Faroe Islands, Sevahoff. Uh, that's one team uh, against Pataisa Turda. I mentioned that earlier. Oh, and Cuenza from uh, Spain against Bering Bros. So that's another interesting one. So any of those teams tickle your fancy, Brian? Um, I don't know, but I mean, I... I'd, as, as an Austrian, I'd love for as an Austrian, as an Austrian citizen, I meant to say. Sorry, I would love uh, for Hart obviously to progress, and I've always been a big fan of Cox. So if if Hart if Hart come up against Cox in the next round, I just I love that. That's a really that's, that's some stiff competition there. So I think that's that's a great advertisement for the European League. Uh, no, but but to get back that's what to uh, to answer your question seriously, if any of those teams are going to get to the final again this year of the European League it only can be Lemgo no I'd imagine from that group of teams maybe Saberhoff maybe Saberhoff are they they good enough they tried for the Champions League so yeah I think Saberhoff and Lemgo are probably the two two of the two two best chances there I imagine Beringbo are just the type of team the type of team that'll get knocked out now straight away for some reason. They just have an absolute horrific game and they're just like or they'll they'll win this game and then lose the next one. And then they're just like out. Alright. Anything else to touch on before we let this one go? Just that we will have episodes with a lot more relevant content coming up, including <laughs> A roundup of all the transfers that have happened over the summer. The biggest impacts will probably and hopefully have Rasmus Boysen on for that. Then we will preview every league as we have done in previous years. We'll try to group them. And actually, one thing that we didn't mention was the Seha League that is uh, actually going ah. on. That is the only handball that's going on. But um, I think that, that, says, still... that says more about that than we need to. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know that that usually makes it into our uh, season preview, but uh, it hasn't even made it into our season preseason rambling. So uh, we'll leave it at that, and we'll get ready for the Champions League, which is kicking off very very soon. Uh, so all of that to come to give you a big roundup of the full season thank you alex thank you chris that was the handball hour we'll see you next time au revoir auf wiedersehen sayonara <laughs>